Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I remember, I remember when, when I um, first, first became, became a believer. believer. I asked, the, there, was there was a group of guys, guys and it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was an awesome, awesome uh, setup. setup. There was, there was a group of guys all around my age who had been believers for a while. And asked, asked them, what do I read? read? So they so said, they said okay, okay, read the, the book, book of John, John the gospel, gospel of John. And then, and then after, after that, that start, start from, from the beginning. beginning. So I read John, I enjoy it, I love it. And then I start going through Genesis. And if you are following along with our reading, Genesis, Genesis is very, very entertaining. There are all these amazing, amazing stories, stories that you sometimes, sometimes you read, you go like, why, why is this even here? here? And then, and then you, you get, get to Exodus. Exodus. And Exodus comes, comes with the first, the first time we get to the law. And then when you, when you get, get to Leviticus, you're, you're deep, deep in, in it. And I remember, and I remember reading, reading Leviticus and going like, first of, first of all, being very bored as I was reading through, through it. Like, like why, why do, do I need, need to know, know what, what will happen to me if I injure my neighbor's donkey? What does, what does that have to do with me? me? And, and I remember looking, looking at, all at all these things, things and, and knowing, knowing after reading John, John that, that, that I'm, I'm saved by grace, grace through faith, faith in Christ. Christ. And, and I'm thinking, thinking okay, okay, what, what do, do I do with this? And, and our passage today, we're going to be looking at this, the, the law and the promise of Christ, faith in Christ. And, and I'm, I'm sure, sure there were people there, there also wondering the very same thing. thing. People who had previously uh, followed the, 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 the Old Testament, Testament and all, all its laws and all, and all the customs, and now were believers, believers in Christ, Christ and wondering, okay, okay what, what do we what do, we do, we do with all this stuff? stuff? What do we do with the Passover? What do we uh, do with all the sacrifices that we used to make? To make? And then and in this church in, 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 in Galatia, by the way, we're reading in Galatians chapter 3, that's where we're parked today. Uh, so uh, if you pull out, who has, who has a, a, a real Bible today? Yes. 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 We, we will fight, fight the technology. The technology. <laughs> <laughs> but we're in Galatians 3, and I'm, and I'm reading from, from the NLT. NLT. Um, and where, where we, are we are right now is... is is um, a place, place where, where Paul is now, he's, he's, come, he's, 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 he's writing, writing to, the, to this church in Galatia. And there are a group of people in the church who are telling people who are Gentiles, who are not Jewish, Jewish that, that yeah, it's, it's great, great that you accept Christ, Christ, but you also need to take on our culture and our customs. Because these are the things that God's people do. There's even an instance in the previous chapter where Peter... Was, was refusing to eat with Gentile believers. Right? Peter, Peter, the, the first, first Jew, Jew to receive this message from God. God, God spoke, spoke to him when he was uh, uh, sent to Cornelius' place. God, God spoke, spoke to him and said, These are my people. Gentiles are not unclean. I'm sending you to them. I want to save them the same way I've saved you. And Peter, in this, in this previous, previous chapter, is refusing to eat them because he's scared of what the other Jewish, Jewish believers will think. And there's, there's a whole group of people who are pressurizing the Gentiles to become, become Jews. Become like, like us. Because, because that's, that's who God, God really loves. We are God's, God's people. people. And so, and so Paul is very, very upset as he's, as, as he's, as he's writing, writing this. In the previous, previous chapter, he con- confronted Peter with strong, strong words. words. And here, and here he, starts he starts with strong words again. Verse, Verse 1 starts, starts says, Oh foolish Galatians, 
who cast an, an evil spell, spell on you? For the, For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as, as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me Let ask you this one, one question. Did you, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law, Moses? Of course, of course not. You receive the Holy Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. How, How foolish can you, can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you, Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain. Was it? See, Paul is outraged. It says something when someone starts with foolish. right? That's someone who's really angry. And he's, he's upset and, and, and he's, he's torn because this is something that's so precious to him. Paul was in the process of going to Damascus to go and arrest Christians. And there Christ met him and showed him ultimate grace. It says, you, were, you had taken it upon yourself to be an instrument of destruction against my people, but I will show grace to you. I will save you, and I'll use you to save others. So I'm sure Paul is really mad at this because he says, this grace that I received, this grace that I love is now being misused. He's outraged. And he says, he says to them, why have you gone back? You're reverting back. He says, you've come from this place of slavery to the law. And now you've got freedom. And now you're going back. It makes no sense. I'm sure Paul spent so much time uh, preaching about grace. It says every, every Sabbath he would go to the synagogues and he would go and reason with people. In the synagogues, that's where you found the, the Jewish people, the people who believed in all the laws and all of the customs. I think a lot of his life was dedicated to meeting with those people and telling them, those laws will not save you, right? So when someone leaves that, when, they, when they're going back to this, the reason it makes him so mad is he's saying, like you're, you're saying, Christ, I don't want your sacrifice, I'm going to go back to trying to take care of myself. I'm going to be good. On my own merit, I will get to you. And it continues, it says, I ask you again, this is Paul reasoning with them, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believed in the message that you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. He's reminding the people God met you when you were a sinner. That's why he asked them, when you received the Holy Spirit, was it because you were obeying the law? Was it because you're a great person? Is it because you're amazing? Because you followed every single custom? Because you observed Passover perfectly? And he says, no, that's not it. He's reminding them, you don't deserve this. In verse 11, it says, so it's clear that no one can be, right, can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. 
This, is the, this, this way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. And here's an interesting thing. I, I remember coming to this and, and reading this. Uh, when, when I first became a believer, I remember going back and forth and asking these people, Look, what do I do th- with these things? And they said, no, no, just, just keep reading. Like, I need answers. <laughs> just keep going. This, pas- this passage explains this perfectly. I wish they had just pointed me to this one and saved me a lot of time. But it was nice searching. But these believers have come to a place where they're saying, I can take care of myself. I will keep the law, and I'll keep the law perfectly. Right? But only Christ can make us right with him. Because we can't follow the law perfectly. In verse 13, um, it says that, that um, Jesus took the curse. The curse that we deserve. Because it says that if we don't follow the law perfectly then we have the curse, we, we, we receive the curse of the law. So we have to obey all of it or we miss it completely. And Jesus says, I became the curse. I took the punishment so that you would have freedom. Jesus knew from the very beginning, the time Adam and Eve sinned and there was already a promise there that, her, that, 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 that your seed, Eve, Christ who will come, he will crush the head of the serpent who has brought you, who has tempted you and pulled you into this sin that you cannot get out of yourself. From that time, Jesus knew and he made a plan. He knows that we are sinful. He knows that we are prisoners to sin. But he knows and he knew that he would take the punishment and free us from that. And so I remember reading this and going, okay, why did God give us the law if it brings with it a curse? Right? I remember think, like, thinking long and hard about this and asking again. And they said, just keep reading. They should have pointed me to this, but they didn't. In verse 19, it says this, and it, asks, it starts with this question. Why then was the law given? <laughs> it was given alongside to promise. <laughs> alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to, to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. This is Christ. God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was a mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator, but he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise from freedom only by believing in Jesus. It says this, the law was given to show us our sin. None of us can read even, even the, 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 the Ten Commandments, the, the first law we get, and say, I'm perfect in this. In fact, when Jesus spoke to, to, to crowds of people, there were people who, who thought this, and Jesus broke it down so that you, everyone could understand that, no, no, you all fall short. 
When Jesus in, in, in Matthew uh, spoke about murder, he says, you, you, you have heard it said that, that this, this murder is a sin, but he says, if you are angry at your brother, you have committed murder in your heart. And I can see people going, eesh, I'm mad right now. And I, I can hear people, as he's, as he's talking about adultery, saying to themselves, I've never cheated on my wife. I'm, I'm not even married. And he says, if you have looked at a person with lust, you have committed adultery. And it also says if you are guilty of um, sinning or, or um, disobeying one of the laws, it's like you've disobeyed all of them. And then Jesus proves it further for, for, for this crowd in, in Matthew chapter 5. Right at the very end of this sermon, he says this. He says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I can see people going like, oh, that's it. I know that's not me. And Jesus was doing this to, to, to show those people then that you can't take pride in any of your accomplishments in following the law. <laughs> it's very true, yeah. <laughs> you can't take pride in it because we mess up somewhere. Obeying the law cannot bring us life because we can't obey it perfectly. The law is there to show us that we are prisoners to sin. In other parts of scripture, it says that we are slaves to sin. Slaves cannot set themselves free. They need saving. And that's what the law does. The law shows us this. Shows us that this way won't work. Jesus is the only way. It says that the law was put there as a guide, as a, as a tutor. In other translations, it says as a guardian. Not, not the real parent. This one is just the one who's taking care of you for the time. Until your parent comes back. Until Christ came back. And so the law, the law for the Israelites, I, I look at it and, and, and I even look at all, all the laws that we see in the Bible. And they can help a lot. A lot of the, the, the laws of many lands are based on the scriptures. Don't murder, don't steal. Uh, don't commit adultery, all these things. There are penalties for these things in legal systems. So the law has helped the world in a tremendous way, but it's just a guideline. It's never meant to save us. And the law can, 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 can help us lead a moral life. You look at these things, and, and even if you go through the New Testament and you look at all the things that, that Paul and, and, and Peter and, and other writers say, other rules that, that help us lead a moral life, but none of these things will save us. It points us to Christ. For us who live here and as, as we follow these laws, it's, it's not... It's not for salvation, it's a response to salvation. I follow Christ because of what he's done for me. I don't follow him because of what I hope he'll do for me if I follow the rules. I was thinking about this and I was thinking, okay, these are laws. This is Paul talking to people who are 
closer in context to the Old Testament than we are, right? No one here walked up to me and said, I hope you celebrated Passover this year. No one said that, right? No one has uh, come to me and asked if I have sacrificed a lamb for my sin, right? These are not laws that, that um, affect us directly, but they're all, all types of other laws in the scriptures, and they're, they're dangers to thinking that the laws will help us. And, and some of the dangers for people who don't know Christ yet is that people walk around thinking that they're saved because they're good people. How many times have you heard that as, as you're trying to share Christ with them, someone? They say, but I'm a good person. I don't steal. I, I don't swear. I, I go to church. And they give you a list of things that they do. People might think that they're saved even by doing good things, good church traditions like coming to church every Sunday. I'm fine. I go to church every Sunday. Some people believe you can be saved if you go through confirmation. If you go through that and you come out at the end, you write that test, great marks. It means you're ready for the kingdom. Right? Some people believe communion is one of these things. That if you take communion every time they have communion, um, that then you are saved. I know people from childhood who never went to church right, in, in, in primary school and high school, but then when it was the, 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 the Sunday that they were going to do communion, they showed up. And I'd be there at home asking people to come over, and they say, no, I need to go to communion. Aren't you a good Christian? <laughs> you were drunk yesterday. <laughs> Baptism is another thing. But people believe that if you're baptized, you're saved. That, that if I just received that sprinkle when I was a baby, I'm set up for the rest of eternity. These are all the things, all the traps that people fall into. Because they think that these laws, these rules will save us. So what do we do? We need to share with the world that they are saved by grace. The grace of Christ alone. Only by him. And that's a, that's a message that we, we need to proclaim all the time. And we need to make sure everyone that knows us that is not a believer hears that message from us. So many times I, I, I've spoken to, to friends and to family and they say, I'd love to come to church, but I just need to sort out a few things. It's that kind of, that, that's, that's something that would give you a hint that that person is thinking in this way. I need to make sure I'm right with God first, then I can come to God to be made right with God. It doesn't make sense. But this thinking can also be dangerous to us as believers. Right? Even us who know Christ, we can fall into this thing of following rules and following laws and thinking that that will get us right with God. And we can know in our heads, right, head knowledge, we can know that no, 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 we're saved by grace, but our actions can show us that we don't really trust that. We can get caught up in performance-driven Christianity. I'm trying to do everything I can to make sure God is pleased with me trying to go to church all the time, trying to help out where I can. I'm going to help with coffee. I'm going to help with Sunday school. I'm going to come to YWAP and help out there. 
I'm going to pray as much as I can. I'm going to make sure when everyone is reading the Bible plan, I'm going to go through it two times. Right? We can get caught up trying to do more works to please God. And one of the things is that, that that's a hint is where maybe if you haven't been spending as much time with God that you think to yourself, am I still a believer? Or the times that you've messed up and you feel uncertain of God's love, you say, am I still saved? Because in my mind I'm thinking, okay, I messed up and I need to do works to make sure that I'm right with him again. One of the hints is also if we doubt God's forgiveness. Have you ever done something and, and, and maybe it's a, it's a sin that you've been repeating again and again and again and again. And maybe before you come and ask for forgiveness, say, first, I need to read a whole chapter of Romans. And then I'll be cleansed a bit. Then I can come before God. We feel I've sinned. I need to, I need to give God some time to cool off first. I've done that many times. But another thing is it can also make us very judgmental of other believers. We have, we have church culture, right? Every church has, has a culture. We do things in certain ways. We pray in certain ways. Uh, we worship in certain ways. One of the things about um, going to NETS, um, and that's why I went for, for my studies, was being, um, being exposed to all these different denominations. And I remember in my first year thinking, every time people would do something, I remember we'd have uh, Nets devotions once a week, and every time someone would maybe uh, pray in a certain way. And I remember the first time someone got up and they read a prayer. And in my mind, I thought, hmm, that's not spiritual. You're just repeating some stuff you wrote down. Like, you don't have a true relationship with Jesus. That's what I was thinking. And this guy, this, this guy that, that, that did that, he was, um, we went first, we went all the way through first year to fourth, to fourth year, and we actually talked during um, two weeks ago, um, and he's a close friend of mine, and we, we talk all the time, and I, and I think to myself, man, I was so arrogant to believe that he wasn't Christian enough because the way they worship is, the, is different from the way that we worship. And that's what these, these believers were doing in the church of Galatia. They were saying, because you're not culturally like us, because you don't worship the way we worship, even though you proclaim that you put your faith in Christ, you're not Christian enough. And that's something we can do. And, I, and, and Nets really humbled me because I interacted with all these different people, uh, people with different theological beliefs from me and, and, and from New Song. And I learned to, to appreciate strengths of other denominations that we don't have. I, uh, I learned to, to, to worship in the ways that they worshiped. I remember uh, one of the first times he asked me to read a prayer, which was a couple of years later. I remember reading this prayer and going, man, this is, this is powerful and I feel connected to God. I remember thinking back to that and thinking that I thought that he wasn't spiritual enough. But one thing, and, and this is probably one of the worst things one of the worst dangers for us as believers of thinking in this way, thinking of the rules and the laws, is we can actually shut people out of the kingdom of God. 
And we can do this in a number of different ways. We can judge people who, who come to our church or come and they're around us, and they're different from us, right? Good Christians don't dress like that. They don't talk like that. They don't have tattoos, right? They don't listen to metal. People can end up saying, they can come to your church and end up saying, I don't look like that person. I don't talk like that person. I don't act like that person. I will never measure up. We could also get people to, to, to do the opposite, to where they begin to act like people in our church. They begin to adopt our culture and then believe that they're believers. They come to, to, to church. They come to all the, all the uh, Bible study groups. They learn to, to, to pray in ways. I could, before I was even a believer, I could pray in a very convincing way. I remember there was a girl at school that I really liked that was a believer. And she asked if I was a believer. I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and that morning she took me to the, it was called Delta for Christ, to one of their meetings. Yeah, Rick was going to pray. And I thought, oh. <laughs> and I prayed. She goes, oh, that was such a moving prayer. I remember thinking, I pulled this out of the air. <laughs> but people can believe that if they act a certain way, if they follow the culture of our church, if they follow the rules, if they clean up their language, if they say all the Christian things, they're believers too. That's a horrible thing to, to, to know that I could be part of pointing someone away from salvation. But if I think in this way, if, if I'm legalistic and, and I think of the laws and I think they will save me and I act that way, that's what I could do. That's such a scary thing. So what do we do? Well, we need to proclaim the truth of grace in our lives. And we share it, of course, with our actions, but also with how we are with people. Are we kind, compassionate, and accepting with people? Are we actually speaking to them about the heart issues and not their external? Are we telling them that I don't follow the rules because I'm trying um, to, to get salvation. Or I don't follow perfectly. I mess up all the time. Are we telling them that I obey in response to God's salvation? I obey him because, because he has loved me first. And I know that everything that he says to me is good. And that's why I obey him. That's not one thing that we need to get into our minds is obeying in response to God's love. One of the things we can do as well is be gracious with other believers when they sin. That's a way that we preach grace. By sitting with them and praying with them, not judging, because we could do the very same thing. And sharing with them that grace, grace has covered you. And for ourselves, 
We need to really look at ourselves and say, God, am I performing for you? Am I really secure in your love? Do I really know that when I mess up, I'm forgiven by you? Do I know that if I die today, I'll be with you in paradise? Do I know that? Do I live that? God promised that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And God doesn't go back on his promises. So even when we feel like we have messed up, we haven't followed his laws, God says, but I promised. I said. I said, if you confess your sins, I will forgive. I said, my sacrifice covered all of your sins. And I said, I have grace for you. Let's pray and let's really think about this and, and, and come before God and say, God, do I, do I live a, a, a life of legalism or do I trust in you? Do I trust in your promise? Let me pray for us and then we'll, start, we'll stand together and worship. Jesus, we thank you for how you orchestrated everything from the very beginning. You had a plan. And thank you, Lord, for, for sending, for sending, giving your law to Moses to convince us without a doubt that we need you. Thank you, God, for your grace that covers us. Thank you that your sacrifice is enough. Thank you, Lord, that we can live in that. And, and, and Lord, what an amazing grace we have. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to to, to, to trust you, to trust your promise. Help us, Lord, to, to, to live that out so that those who, who don't know you, who are, who are looking at themselves and, and are condemning themselves, would come to know that, that it's at your feet. It's, it's when we bow down and we come to you. And as... as as we humble ourselves, you lift us up in your grace. Help us to proclaim that, to live that truth, Jesus. Pray these things in your name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.